Praise the Lord, Grace Church. God is great and he is greatly to be praised. Wherever you are this morning, I encourage you to stand up and worship and give God thanks today. James 4, 8 says, draw close to God and he will draw close to you. I've come to praise him today. Can we give God a little bit of praise in this place? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord.
today that your experience at home will be just as real and rich as though you were here uh, with us. It can be if you'll entertain the presence of the Lord at home like you do here because God's not different depending on where you are. He's the same no matter where. So if our worship response, if our praise response is the same, then you can engage the presence of the Lord as though you were here at Grace Church. One more time, would you clap your hands to Jesus? Thank you, Jesus. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. We invite you to engage the presence of the Lord throughout the service today, and especially when the preaching is concluded, the Spirit of the Lord is moving. You've heard the Word of God has been sown into your heart, into your mind. We encourage you to have what we call altar service at Grace Church where everybody comes to the front for a time of uh, prayer, devotion, of worship, praise, repentance, whatever it may be. We ask you to engage that even in your home, uh, to kneel down at your couch, to kneel at your chair, wherever you may be. We should be accustomed to this by now after praying at home on Monday nights. We should be accustomed to this by praying at home at other times. And uh, so it should not be anything new. So we encourage you today to open your heart. I remember when we were starting our church in Youngstown, Ohio, years and years ago. I've never forgotten this. We started service in our living room after having been there for about a year, uh, just teaching Bible studies and putting together a nucleus of people. And uh, I remember one Sunday, just the Spirit of the Lord moved in our living room. There was maybe about 10 or 12 people there. And uh, I ask him, if you feel like to pray, just turn around to the sofa and uh, just kneel at the sofa. And I remember when they left, seeing very visible tear stains on our sofa where those people cried and poured their heart out to the Lord that Sunday morning. So if it can happen way back then, and it did, it can certainly happen uh, in your home. So I encourage you today to let the Lord have his way. Let me remind you of some things that are coming up. Uh, that we're going to be calling on you to do at home. First of all, all of our on-campus on campus activities this week have been uh, canceled or postponed. But I do want to remind you that this is the last week that you can, those of you that wanted to participate in Mother's Memorial Giving, the $100 Mother's Memorial Club, um, the district has extended that one more week. So. Uh, the deadline is actually one week from today. So if you'd like to give an offering, feel free to do that. You're welcome to do that. So everything else uh, going on here on the campus has been either canceled or postponed. But I do want you to listen to this announcement. Uh, pay attention. Look at your, your, your screen and listen very carefully. Listen to Pastor. We're planning to resume all on-campus events on July the 28th. That is a week from this coming Tuesday. And we'll resume with Tuesday morning prayer on July the 28th. So remember that announcement. We'll go back live here on campus um, on Tuesday morning prayer on July the 28th. So God bless you today. Let's continue to worship as the praise team comes again. 
Jesus, there is no other God but you. You and you alone, Alpha, Omega, beginning, end. You started it all. You sustained it all. We're privileged to be in your presence today, to be able to worship you, to magnify your name. You are our cornerstone, our rock. We lift our praise and our voices to you.
your hands and give him thanks today and give him praise. Lord, we thank you today for the blood that was shed for us, oh God, that we might have life and that more abundantly, Lord. We thank you for it today for the ultimate sacrifice that you gave. Hallelujah. The Bible says perfect love casteth out all fear. Come on, we're standing in love, divine love today. We're just we're standing in divine mercy and favor. We're walking in the grace of God. Come on, in every house, every living room, every kitchen table right now, would you just entertain the presence of God? Would you just entertain the presence of God? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Just where you are, remain standing for a moment. I want to uh, again join with Pastor in welcoming all of those that are joining on live stream, Facebook Live. We're glad you've joined us today and you've honored us with your presence virtually. And before we go into the Word of God in this atmosphere of praise with this manifestation of the presence of God. We're going to go to the Lord in prayer. And I, I want us, when we pray, I'll, I'll lead you. I, I want us to pray for our minds and our hearts today uh, that we will be receptive to the Word of God. So uh, because of social distancing, and I don't know where everyone is and, and how you're structured and set up today. So when we pray, we're going to we just lay your hand on your heart, or if you feel led, lay your hand on your forehead. We're going to pray for ourselves today to receive the word of the Lord. But as we're praying and before we do that in prayer, we have a couple of very special prayer requests today that we want to take to the Lord in prayer. We want to pray for Ken and, Be uh, Ken and Becky Williams and their family. Brother Ken lost his father this week. His funeral was this week. And so we want to lift Ken and Becky and their family up in prayer today that God would give tender mercies and God would give great grace and special covering over that family. And then we also want to pray for Pastor Johnson. Brother Ray Johnson, Pastor Denham Springs Church, is in much need of our prayers today. And so we're going to join together unified prayer today for Brother Johnson. And then also uh, Brother, uh, Brother Milton Booty has asked for prayer today. He's, he's got some uh, some situation in his back that God, he's asking God to touch. And so let's pray for him as we pray today. Let's pray. Jesus, we're standing in your presence. Lord, and in your presence there is fullness of joy and there are pleasures forevermore. Lord, and I know that your name is above every name. And I know that you're going to work and do exceeding great things. And so we pray today, Lord, for the Williams family. I pray, God, that you would do what you specialize in doing, and that is taking us by the hand and leading us through difficult circumstances. It's, it's, it's taking us and sharing your great grace and your great mercy and your love uh, shed abroad in our hearts. And I pray you would be that for the Williams family today. 
And I pray for Brother Johnson, God, that you would heal his body. I speak healing into his life right now. I speak healing virtue right now. I pray your hand would reach down even at this hour and that you would begin a healing work and a healing touch in Jesus' name. I pray for Brother Milton today that you would heal his body. Lord, let healing virtue flow in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Now, Lord, I pray for my heart right now. I pray for my mind right now that as the word goes forth, Lord, that your word would find lodging place in my life and that it would produce fruit in my life. God, we're not here today to go through the motions and and, and check a box and say that we did something on Sunday morning that is our routine, Lord, but we've come to hear from you. We've come to have our life changed today in the presence of God. And so I receive your word today in Jesus' name. If you believe that, if you're feeling that, would you clap your hands and shout with a voice of praise. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, praise team, so much. You always lead us into the presence of God. Today was no exception. Job well done. If you're standing today, I'm going to ask you to be seated. And we're going to turn directly to the word of the Lord. If you're ready for the word of the Lord, would you just say amen? Captain Joseph Dutton, steamship Captain S.S. Sardinian. He had an important passenger on his steamship that August day of 1877. It was the respected minister George Mueller of Bristol, England. And the minister George Mueller was known for his great faith. It was said that Mueller spent hours each day in prayer and Bible reading. Towards the the end of his life, it was said that Mueller read his Bible through at least four times per year. And on this particular day in August of 1877, as the ship worked its way across the Atlantic, it ran into a dense fog. And the captain, Captain Dutton, slowed the ship's speed drastically. Mueller tracked down the captain and said, Captain, I need to tell you that I must be in Quebec on Saturday afternoon. That is impossible, replied the captain. The fog again was very thick and he had slowed the ship for safety. Very well, Mueller responded, if your ship cannot take me, God will find some other way, for I have never missed an engagement in 57 years. Let's go down to the chart room and pray. The captain looked at this man of God and thought, he testified later, what lunatic asylum did this man escape from? Mr. Mueller said, Captain Dutton, do you realize how dense this fog is? No, replied Mueller. My eye is not on the dense fog, but it's on the living God who controls every circumstance of my life. He then knelt down and prayed one of the most simple prayers the captain said he'd ever heard. And when he finished, the captain himself started to pray, but Mueller put a hand on his shoulder and told him not to. Mueller said, first, you do not believe that God will answer. And second, I believe He already has. Consequently, there is no need whatsoever for you to pray about it. 
He went on to say, Captain Dutton, I have known my Lord for 57 years. And there has never been a single day that I have failed to get an audience with the king. Get up and open the door and you will see that the fog has lifted. The captain got up, opened the door, and indeed the fog was gone. And on Saturday afternoon, George Mueller was in Quebec for his meeting. Let me ask you today, what would you do differently if you believed that nothing was too hard for God? What kind of prayers would you pray? What kind of faith would you have? What would you expect to happen in your life tomorrow, next week, next month, or next year? How would your approach to God be different if you believe that nothing was impossible for God? I want to read a text of Scripture today, two verses. You can remain seated. Genesis chapter 18, verses 13 through 14. The Lord said unto Abraham, Wherefore did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I of a surety bear a child which am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the time appointed, I will return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. I want to preach to you today asking you this question to answer in your own spirit. Is anything too hard for God? Now, this is not a trick question today. I'm not, it's not one of those deals where I'm going to lead you down the path and then tell you at the end that it's impossible for God to lie, so therefore it is, there is something that's impossible. That's, that's not my, my motive today. Today, I know the hour that we're living in, and I know that there are people watching today that are battling COVID-19 in your body. There are people today that need peace in your spirit due to worry and, and anxiety about COVID-19. There are those who are going through all other sorts of life issues. As someone said from the pulpit recently, life hasn't stopped just because of COVID-19 and you're dealing with, with relationship issues and financial issues and you need God to work in your family. I'm speaking a word of faith today to those needs and I'm asking you to reconsider and I'm asking you to dig down deep and, and get a hold of your faith in God and understand that there is nothing too hard for God. Have you ever seen someone driving down the interstate at a speed much lower and much slower than the posted speed limit on the interstate? I call that living beneath your privilege. You at least have the right to go the speed limit, and if you're careful, you might get away with just a little bit more. But there's always that one person that's not even going to tap into at least what they are allowed to have by rights in terms of the traveling speed. And it drives me crazy. And I hear some witnesses in the house today. As Christians, specifically as apostolics, we live beneath our privilege. The promises of God are a wide open interstate with no speed limit. The promises of God are yea and amen, the Bible says. They are ours to claim and they are limitless. 
Yet we are so easily focused on the uncertainty of tomorrow and the issues swirling in our world today and that trouble us all around that we settle for so much less than our privilege. We live beneath our privilege. Year 2020, coming into this year towards the end of last year, I thought I had a pretty good slogan in place. I thought I'd really come up with something. I I was thinking something like 2020, the year of vision. Or or, or 2020, seeing with 2020 vision. I thought that was pretty good. And I mentioned it right, you know, late December coming into the new year. I mentioned it to my family and they said, Dad, do you really think that you're the first person that's come up with that for the year 2020? So I dropped it, and I hadn't said another word about it till today, and here we are halfway through the year, so there we go. The truth is, though, is that we do have 2020 vision. The problem is where that vision is focused, where to stare in a storm. Where, where is your 2020 vision focused? Often, what I've found in the last six, seven months is that it is not on God, but it's on that fog that has slowed the ship down. And it's often on the fog that's engulfed our world and not in the God with whom nothing is impossible. So what I'm asking you today is what if we really believe that nothing is impossible with God? Because I believe that not only can God work on your behalf, but I believe that he wants to work on your behalf. And so I believe today that if we could get a hold of our faith and get our eyes on God, that we would begin to see the fog lift and we would begin to see the ship pick up speed and we would begin to see God do some things in our lives that we prayed for for a long time. Can I hear a good amen? So if the answer today is yes, that there is something hard for God, too hard for God, then we're wasting our time. We can pack it all up and go home right now. But if the answer is no, that there's nothing too hard for God, then we ought to be consumed with a holy boldness. We should be praying big, audacious prayers. And we should be walking in authority without fear. Because with God, nothing is impossible. Let me call up some witnesses from the past. The Bible says he parted the waters of the Red Sea as was preached last Sunday. He provided manna and quail in the wilderness. He provided water from the rock. He delivered the three Hebrew boys from the fiery furnace and Daniel from the den of lions. He was born of a virgin and lived, died, and rose again on the third day. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of power. And he poured out his spirit on the day of Pentecost that is still available to us today. I ask you, is anything too hard for God? Peter said in his epistle, we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you his power, but we were eyewitnesses to his majesty these things that we read of in scripture are not fairy tales they're not fables they're not something that somebody collected in a book to entertain us but they are eyewitness miracles of his majesty they're proof of his power I'm telling you God can do anything clap your hands to God right now that's the witness of the past let me give you the witness of the present 
Is there anybody on campus? Is there anybody in the live audience that you've ever found God to be a way where there was no way? Have you ever prayed and had Him answer? Have you ever needed Him to come through and He did? Have you ever looked back and saw where He brought you from? Has He been your shield and your buckler when you trusted in Him? Has He lifted you up out of the miry clay and set your feet upon the rock? Oh, I believe that if we were all together today on campus, you would see people that were standing on their feet and they were clapping their hands and they were shouting to God the voice of praise. Why? Because they found Him faithful. They've tried Him and found Him faithful. They know that with God, nothing is impossible. You've called and He's answered. A stranger in a strange land, that's what Abraham was. I hope that sounds like your identity today. I hope that the events of 2020 have made you less at home in this world and more eager for the world to come. But when God decided to establish himself a people, he turned his attention to this one man and called him to leave his homeland. All that he knew, all that he was familiar, and God told him to get up and get going, and he'd know he had arrived when he got there. And God promised Abraham, said your descendants would be as the sand of the sea and the stars of the heaven. And that's a lot of kids and grandkids and great-grandkids and great-great-grandkids and so on. But there was a big glaring problem. The problem is always that there's a problem. You and I today have a measure of faith. We, we wouldn't be here doing what we're doing today if we didn't have the measure of faith that the Bible talks about. Some people have the gift of faith. Faith isn't the problem today. The problem is the problem. And we have a tendency to think that our problem is going to be the one that finally stumps God. God has never met a problem he couldn't handle until he got to my problem. And this is the one that's going to do him in. That's how we think. And that's what I'm preaching against today. And Abraham and Sarah's problem was that they couldn't have children. And at the point at which we pick up their story, not only has it been a biological impossibility at this, to this point, now they're aging. Now they're outside of childbearing years. So their circumstances were directly at odds with the promise of God that their descendants would be as the sand of the sea. But is this really too hard for God? God pays a visit to Abraham one particular day and reminds him of this promise. And he gives him a few more specifics. He kind of brings it into focus for old Abraham. And he says, about this time next year, Sarah's going to have a son. And Sarah overhears this from the tent and laughs within herself. I can't have children. My childbearing years are over. And God is telling me I'm going to have a son a year from now. That's laughable. This is the big one, God. This is the one that's going to be too hard for you. This one's going to go down in the history books is the one that got you. And in thinking this way, Sarah almost missed her miracle. But I'm preaching to some people today on campus and on live stream that like Sarah... You are a womb in waiting. God wants to birth some things in you yet.
Your productive years are ahead of you yet. There's life in you yet. The devil tried to take you out and it didn't work. You're still here. Circumstances look like they were going to get you, but you're still here. You know what that tells me? The environment may seem dead, but the promise of God is not. There's a promise of God just incubating inside of you. There's more that God wants to conceive in you than you even understand. And so if you're facing a dead situation today, if you're facing an environment that looks like nothing can happen, I'm telling you, with God, nothing shall be impossible. With God, anything is possible. If you believe that right now, would you clap your hands to God? Oh, I believe faith is rising right now. I believe somebody's starting to get a hold of this right now. I believe somebody's starting to take authority in their situation situation right now in Jesus name and so God knowing her thoughts drops the bomb on her in the form of a question and he says is anything too hard for the Lord and we give we give old laughing Sarah a lot of trouble about her doubt and her laughter but I believe that after God reiterated that promise in the form of the question that something happened in Sarah and she, she dug down deep on the inside and found some faith laying around somewhere and said to herself, I'm going to take God at his word. And I believe that happened because in Hebrews chapter 11, that great chapter that I like to call God's faith book page, a long list of champions of faith are listed. And the writer of Hebrews spends a lot of time talking about Abraham. But in verse 11, he says, oh, by the way, don't forget about laughing Sarah. She has her place in the hall of faith too. Through faith also, Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age. Why? Because she judged him faithful who promised. I'm telling you that somewhere between the laughter and the promise, somewhere between the doubt and the rebuke, Sarah decided to give it one more shot. And the scripture says she judged him faithful who promised. And in Genesis 21, 1, the Lord, the Bible says the Lord did for Sarah as he had spoken. And when she held that baby in her arms and she called him Isaac, you better believe she judged him faithful who promised. Who am I talking to today that has some exceeding great and precious promises that look impossible who is going up against odds that are incredible who has been praying prayers that have yet to be answered and it seems like there is no way I'm asking you today will you judge him faithful who promised is anything too hard for God knowing God like you do knowing the promises that he's fulfilled in the past is anything too hard for God? What you're praying for today, revival, world situations, relationships, loved ones, all of these things, move of God in your own life, your own relationship with God, nothing is impossible for God. Now, not only is it not impossible for God, it's an easy thing for God. God doesn't see impossibility. He sees easy. He created the worlds with just a word. He said, let it be, and it was. You want the sun to stand still, Joshua? No problem. And I want you to get a picture of Jesus, God incarnate, walking the earth. 
And with just a word, just a touch, it was enough to see the dead raised. Lazarus come forward. That's all he had to say. Just a touch, just a word, in some instances, just a look. The dead raised, the sick healed, the lame walked, the dumb spoke, and the deaf heard. The centurion said, Jesus complimented the centurion for his great faith when he said, just speak the word, Jesus, and my daughter will be healed. The centurion understood how easy it was for Jesus. We stay up all night trying to figure out how God's going to answer our dilemma. And God's saying, I got this. I've got to hurry. But in 2 Kings chapter 3, the king of Israel was having some trouble with the kings of Moab. Or the king of Moab. The king of Moab actually the Bible says had rebelled against the king of Israel. So he got Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, and he recruited Edom. And the three of those nations, the three of those armies went out to battle against the Moabites. And when they got to where they were going to engage the king of Moab in battle, they ran into a serious problem. There was no water. The Bible says there was no water for the men and there was no water for the cattle. Now, I don't know why they had cattle, except that I assume that the cattle was to feed the army. Kind of like on the old, uh, the old West where they had the, um, the cattle drives, and the cattle turned out to be food at the end of the day. It must have been something like that. But they had an army, and they had cattle, and they didn't have water for either one of them. And the kings began to lament their situation, saying, Surely God has brought these three armies together to be slain at the hand of Edom. But Jehoshaphat, that, that godly king, the, the king that was more towards God than some of his forefathers, he called for the prophet Elisha. And he asked him, he said, Elisha, is there any word from the Lord? And that's where we're at today. That's where so many of you watching today are. You, you've battled COVID now. You've battled anxiety. You've battled worry uh, since February. And you're saying, is there any word from the Lord? And Elijah said, dig ditches, make the valley full of trenches. 2 Kings 3, 17 through 18. For thus saith the Lord, you shall not see wind, neither shall you see rain. Yet that valley shall be filled with water, that you may drink both ye and your cattle and your beast. And this is but a light thing in the sight of the Lord. He will deliver the Moabites also into your hand. One translation says, this is but an easy thing in the eyes of the Lord. And so the Bible says the next morning there came water by way of Edom and all the land was filled with water. And when the Moabites, the enemy, saw the sun reflecting off the water, they thought it was blood. And bottom line is they ran into an ambush and were defeated in a rout. Israel, Judah, you need your enemies defeated? No problem. That's an easy thing for God. You need water for your armies and your cattle? No problem. That's an easy thing for God. Bottom line is this. God won the battle. He won the victory. And he provided their need. I want to tell somebody watching today that we have a God that not only is going to provide the victory, but he's also going to supply your need. He's going to do both because nothing is impossible for God. And it is but an easy thing for God. We aren't some weak, down and out, flame, barely flickering church. We're part of the army of God. And all power in heaven and earth is given to his name. And it is but an easy thing for God to move in your life. 
going back to the text where God asked Abraham, is anything too hard for the Lord? The word Lord there, if you're looking in your King James Bible, it's capitalized. And that just means that the original word that, that in Hebrew that Lord would have been translated from is Jehovah. Is anything too hard for Yahweh, Jehovah? And in the Old Testament, oftentimes you can trace it through. They would take the word for God, Jehovah, and they would pair it with attributes of God to strengthen their faith and to uh, help explain what God was able to do. And so if you take the word Jehovah, God, Lord, there, and you begin to pair it with the things that He can do, you understand why God said to Sarah, there is nothing, said to Abraham, there is nothing impossible with God. Because in the Old Testament, you find words like Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. Jehovah Nisi, the Lord is my banner. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that heals. Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord our righteousness. Jehovah Shalom, the Prince of Peace. And Jehovah Shammah, the Lord is there. I'm preaching to an apostolic church today that needs to know that God will provide. You need to know that God is a healer. You need to know that God is peace. And you need to know that God is here. We are not some down and out church. We are not some weak fading flower. We're not some group of people that God has forgotten about. But in this moment, in this hour, His eyes are squarely on us to provide, to heal, to be there, to walk with us, to give us victory in every place and part of our life. Would you clap your hands? Ask your neighbor, say, would you believe it? If I told you that God could do anything, if I told you it was easy, it's not even hard, would you believe it? Habakkuk, the prophet, prophesied shortly before Israel was taken into captivity by the Babylonians. And he was forthtelling prophetically, talking to them as though they were already in captivity, which was about to take place shortly. And under the unction of the Spirit of God in 1 and 3, he says, Behold ye among the heathen in regard and wonder marvelously. For I will work a work in your days, which you will not believe, though it be told you. He's saying God wanted to work a work in their day that would be so amazing that they wouldn't believe it, even if it could be explained. But it's not just a text for Old Testament history and Israel captivity for that time. Because Luke records in Acts chapter 13 that Paul stood up in the synagogue in Antioch and he preached Jesus Christ. He expounded on the fact that Jesus had come to earth, died and rose again, preached the gospel. Spoke that Jesus had established the church age, which we are still a part of this day. We're in the church age right now. And he's preaching along these lines to Antioch in the synagogue. And in that masterpiece of a sermon, which Luke recorded in 13 of Acts, Paul reaches back and grabs this verse from Habakkuk. 
And in Acts 13, 41, he says, Behold, ye despisers and wonder and perish. For I work a work in your days, a work which ye shall in no wise believe, though a man declare it unto you. 2020, God's going to work a work in this day. 2020, you're not some anomaly that God didn't plan for. 2020, God's not worried. God's not in the corner trying to figure out how he's going to accomplish through uh, his will, through the events you've thrown our way. No, as a matter of fact, I'm declaring today that he's going to do a work. And if we knew how awesome it was going to be, we wouldn't even believe it this morning. Because he said, you will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. He said, you shall tread on serpents and scorpions. He said, there will be an end time revival. He said, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. He said, there is a sound of abundance, Brother, Brother Murphy. He said, there is a harvest, Brother Cooper. He said, it's coming. He said, it's been told to you. He said, I've delivered it to you. Will you believe it in this day? I'm telling you today, I'm trying to build your faith and this is not hype and it's not emotion if you notice I've been in the book the entire message pointing out to you that nothing is impossible with God and it applies to our day today my question is will you believe it will you put your faith in God no weapon formed against us is going to prosper greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world I'm telling you he's getting ready to work a work and if you'll believe it he's going to pour it out on all flesh I'm coming in for a landing but it is imperative that we believe this it's not optional I'm not, I'm telling you today, I'm speaking in the authority of the Holy Ghost. This is not an option that you can just say, well, that was a great message on faith. It is imperative to your survival and to your ability to thrive in this day that we're living in that you believe what I'm preaching today. Samaria was under siege. There was a famine. And the man of God said, this time tomorrow... There will be food in abundance. I'm, I'm paraphrasing. There'll be food in abundance in the city of Samaria. And a top-ranking official looked the prophet in the eye and said, if God would open the windows of heaven, how could this thing be? And the man of God told the official, he said, you'll see it with your own eyes, but you won't partake of it. That's how critical it is that we not dismiss through the eyes of doubt what God wants to do. When we dismiss the promises of God, we run the risk of seeing what God ultimately does, but not getting to partake in it. And that is not a place that I want to be. And that's not a place that you want to be. I don't want to dismiss the promises of God cavalierly and miss and be able to see what he's done or see what he's going to do, but not get to be a part of it. I'm choosing today to believe that with God, nothing shall be impossible. I'm going to ask the praise team to, to come back as I bring this to a close. And if you're scoring me today on sermon structure, then I'm getting ready to fail the test. Because what, the way I'm going to close this today is really another point 
It's really another sermon. And it's going to be all that in my closing too. But the reason I'm going this route, I'm scrapping the closing that I had. Last night and this morning, God has given me a very difficult, it's not a difficult assignment. It's a weighty, very weighty assignment. And I, I pray I'm up to the task. God has dealt with me to speak very specifically along the line of what I'm about to do. And I am going to, this is my closing. This will be it if you can make it through this last point. But this, this closing, is this is what God has given me to say. In Genesis chapter 18, verse 15, after God said, Sarah, you laughed within your spirit. And there's nothing too hard for God. The next verse, 15. I don't have it on the screen because God didn't give it to me till this morning. Sarah, Sarah denied. She said, I didn't laugh. The Bible says she said that because she was afraid. And so you see in Sarah, you see the doubt that she had. And then that doubt gave way to fear. There is a spirit of fear that's gripping this apostolic church in this hour. And I, God has, has worked me over, and, and, and I say this in holy unction. I'm, I'm, I'm tired of it. I'm sick of it. We're not going to put up with the spirit of fear. Now, fear is a legitimate human emotion. That I'm not minimizing our, our emotions of fear. It's very legitimate and I want to give great legitimacy to that emotion for those of you that feel anxious and feel fearful. The Bible says the disciples saw the storm and were fearful. I've been fearful at points in my life. But God wants to deal with that. He's the Prince of Peace. Great peace have they that love thy law. He, he wants to take care of that. They, I've been quoting this scripture around the house all all week, it's, it's throughout the epistles, Paul writes, the God of all peace, the God of all peace. May, may the God of all peace be with you, he says. God wants to deal with that. What I'm dealing with today is the spirit of fear. And the Bible says that God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. I wept on the way to church this morning because of the fear that is trying to take this church out. Not, not so much grace specifically, but the church, the church. I, I see it, I hear it, I feel it. I, I feel it. And, and, and we're, we're coming against it today. We're tearing down the wall. The Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and power. But we are mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. And we're gonna pull down a stronghold today and it's gonna be the stronghold of fear because I curse it in Jesus' name. So I want you to stand with me. Bible says in Isaiah 26 and three, perfect peace. He will give them perfect peace whose mind has stayed on, me, on thee. See, the problem was Sarah took her eyes off God and began to doubt the promise of God. So she lost that peace and began to go into fear. And that's what's happening in 2020. We're getting our eyes off of God. We're getting our eyes on the situation. And, and, and our fear, and, our, and our, that we're losing our peace, and that's turning into fear. There's a song that's been going around. I, I don't know if you've heard it. I don't know how 
popular it is. It's a song I've heard, so that means it's fairly popular because I wouldn't have heard it otherwise. And it, it's, uh, it's just called There Ain't No Grave. Ain't No Grave. And if you get a chance to look it up this afternoon, you, sh- you should. <clears throat> but what, it, what the song does is it, is it takes ideas like, like fear and, and, and shame and bondage, and it uses the metaphor of a grave to say that the, the grave, the, 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 this grave cannot hold us back. It can't hold us down. Ain't no grave going to hold me down. And when they get to the verse about fear, it says this, and this is the word today. Fear is a liar with a smooth and velvet tongue. Fear is a tyrant always telling me to run. And then they go on and say, ain't no grave going to hold me down. That grave of fear can't hold me down. But then they get to this verse about Jesus Christ. There was a battle, a war between death and life. There on a tree, the Lamb of God was crucified. And he went on down to hell and he took back every key. And he rose up as a lion to set the captives free. Ain't no grave going to hold him down. Ain't no grave going to hold me down. And they sing that for a while. And then they get to the zenith of the song. And this is the part that if I could sing and if I could play, I would sing and I would play it for you. And we would tear this place apart. But they get to the zenith of the song. And talking about Jesus, they say, if you came out of that grave, I'm coming too. If you walked out of that grave, I'm walking too. Jesus, if you can take captivity captive, and if you can overcome death, And if you can overcome hell, then you've paved the way for me to overcome fear. You've paved the way for me to overcome shame. You've paved the way for me to put the enemy under my feet and to tread on serpents and scorpions. If you came out of that grave, I'm coming too. I've got victory in my bones today. I've got triumph in my spirit today. So if you're just a little bit tired of living in fear today, I'm about to pray and we're going to release apostolic authority. I'm tired of fear and I'm tired of doubt. It is time for the church to realize who we really are. And so we're going to pray and release apostolic authority over fear. As we do that, if you need the Holy Ghost, if you need healing, if you need a touch from God in any way, any area of your life, finances, relationship, whatever it is, I want you to grab hold of this prayer and I want you to believe that nothing is impossible with God. And we're about to see a manifestation of God. We're going to see chains fall off. We're going to see barriers come down. We're going to see walls broken. Are you ready? Are you ready? Come on, raise your hands. Lift your faith. And let's pray with authority in the name of Jesus Christ. God, right now, God, you've put a holy boldness on me right now. God, you've put a holy anointing on me right now. I don't know why you've asked me to do it, but I'm going to do it. And I'm going to pray with the Spirit, and I'm going to pray with understanding. And I am taking authority over fear right now. It has no hold on the apostolic church. It has no place in my life. It has no place in the life of my brothers and my sisters. I will not tolerate it anymore. We tread on serpents and scorpions. We put all things under our feet in the name 
of Jesus Christ. And I release apostolic authority right now. I release apostolic unction right now. I release anointing right now. I release the power of God right now. Come on, if you believe it, shout the name of Jesus. If you believe it, shout the name of Jesus. We tear down every wall. We tear down every wall. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on, somebody release your faith right now. Come on, believe God can do anything. Believe nothing is impossible with God. Jesus' name. Come on, we're not done. We're not done. We're not done. Come on, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on. You're feeling that right now. You're feeling the presence of God right now. I see Jesus' name. In Jesus' you move the mountains. Come on, declare it in your home right now. Declare it over your family right now. Come on, tear down every wall. You have the authority. Come on, you don't need the preacher to do it. You don't need the ministry. Now